0: You dogs and cats swizzle here. G6. G is February. February 6th. Amazing. The month like that. It's one o'clock on the East Coast. The Rangers won last night in heroic fashion as Alexei Lafreniere scored in overtime. Sniped, by the way. Big win by the blue shirts, Dan. As you know, this is market call. Uh, me and Dan today, just the two of us. I hope you enjoyed that, folks. Dan,
1: how are you? Cats and dogs living together. Matt's hysteria. What movie, guy? uh stripes ghostbusters it was it was oh murray who said that line i don't know why you did the cats and dogs thing uh there i'm happy for the rangers i know that you uh you really wanted to win there you really wanted them to come out of that all-star break uh hot but we got that hey listen dude let's just get into it because did you dude me wow i like that what, what did we say yesterday and this is before we get to the rundown what did we say yesterday We said, we opened the show up saying, this is gonna be an important week in the stock market, okay? And just before we get to the rundown, I'm gonna tell you why. Because there's one line to rule them all, okay? And that's, you're not gonna get that reference. But your Led Zeppelin definitely used to get that reference because they were down with the Lord of the Rings and the Tolkien, weren't they? Because they did quote Tolkien on many occasions. So it was one ring to rule them all. There is one line, and Amanda's gonna get so mad at me because we're so out of order, Throw up that NVIDIA chart. Throw it up. You Still, like to use that not. term. Right job, don't you? You use that that no. term every once in a while? Mm-hmm. This line, see that green line? This is the most important line in the entire stock market. And we're going to Backwards and it. We're going to talk about that a little bit. I just want to just say that, guy. Let's put that no, out I,
0: I, look, I think that's out. there. I mean, I'm not looking to, what do they call that when you bury the lead? We're not looking to bury the lead. That's what you're not looking to do, I guess. Well, because I'll just say this, okay? Yeah. Today, NVIDIA opened at an all time high, 697.54. You Correct. see where it's trading now. Correct. So we're going to have this little engulfing pattern potentially. So it's something to
1: watch for sure. You and I I thought that was going to happen yesterday. Well, you know. They just needed to do one more day. Um, It's not good. All right, should we do the rundown? Let's do the rundown.
0: Let's go right into it because I love this stuff. I mean, this is, you know, look, this is an oldie but a goodie. Market breath stinks. Of course, that's DTH, not B. Right, okay, there's a D in there, the added D. The most important line in the stock market, well, we just sort of alluded to that, And of course, X marks the spot for Crude Oil. Of course, X is also a month in the uh, in the (laughs) a month for the futures traders out there. That would be November. Uh, But it's neither here nor there, as they say.
1: You know what's really cool? I mean, listen. I I know that you and I, you got three kids, I got two. We both, you know, think our kids are all really cool. I was with my oldest daughter, who's Mm. very into news. Um, She likes the Twitter because she actually thinks it's a good you know like an RSS feed guy you've been using your same RSS feed since okay. the late 90s. yeah that
0: i love really the thing. it's amazing how rss right. is developed but, but over you know the what years.
1: she said you know what she said to me over the weekend she said i have not updated the app on my phone this is the twitter app because she does not want to see the letter x on there she doesn't uh, like all that I, mean, I thought that was really cool and just like you guy okay you don't like to call it whatever the new thing is no. Facebook still the Facebook thing to you, right? Like there's a whole Well, you of- know,
0: now now we're really getting into the weeds and I'm yeah. Amanda, I I apologize. It's fine. I, I it's honest fine. to God do. You're show guy. No, but you know, the Catholic Church, there's some prayers in church that they changed over the years. Um for example, the Lord be with you and also with you. We live, that then, you know, they changed that as well. So but I am old school. So all the prayers that they changed, I'm still the one person in there it does the old ones and if i'm sitting next to people they look at me like get get with the program there pal i'm like no this yeah. was good enough for me when i was a lad it's going to be good enough for me now so to your point facebook is facebook twitter is twitter yeah, google you. is google i mean that's just the way it rolls anyway
1: sorry all right let's let so so let's talk about this breadth thing the breath with a d it's like bread with a th okay mm. so we have a stock market, um, the S&P 500. It's up, you know, three and a half percent of a year. The NASDAQ is up about the same. Uh, the NASDAQ 100 is up just a little bit more than that. The Russell 2000, which we spent some time with Liz Young yesterday on the On the Tape podcast. Be sure to listen to that pod. That was pretty straight fire, as the kids say. Um, you know, the Russell just stinks, right? It can't get out of its own way. So when you have, you know, an S&P that's being driven now, you have Apple, it's down on the year, you have Tesla down on the year. So now it's like the Fab Five, right? We have the SMH or or you have, you know, NVIDIA, which was up 40%. Now it's up 34 and a half. You can see the math right there. Mm -hmm. It's just being driven by a handful of stocks, the entire performance, right, of the stock market. And so, Talk to us a little bit, guy, um, about some of these tweets. Let's just throw them up there. It was Bespoke had one, and this other guy who- uh, Jason, Jason Gopford. Yeah, that's a good tweet. I quote tweeted his tweet. I It was my first quote tweet in like six months, guy. I'm mm-hmm. not tweeting. Or, so when you see this sort of data, and you see the S&P at all-time highs, and we saw this in January of 2022, before we went into a bear market, what does this make you think?
0: Well- you know, I mean, Jason's, You can read Jason's tweet for yourself, and I don't think any of us are comparing this to what happened in the late 1920s. But the data speaks for itself. Number one, number two. You know, as much as we want, we talk about this all the time. You know, we were le- yearning for a period of time where the market broadened out, and the leadership was not just six, seven, eight, nine, ten stocks, and it was much broader than that. But the reality is, the math suggests that that can't happen. And you know, the fact that the S and P again is effectively at all time highs, it's being driven by the names you talked about. And that I do think potentially is very problematic. And it's great on the way up and everybody's doing well and everything. But now you can see, you know, you mentioned NVIDIA, you see how things turn on a dime. So when you see stats like that, I mean, even the most ardent bulls out there, even the most steadfast believers have to say, hmm, that is sort of interesting. Maybe I'll make a note of this. Doesn't mean you have to do something necessarily, but we'd be remiss if we didn't point these things out. It's easy, look. It's great being the chair leader. I've never been that person, as you know.
1: No, not your jam. Um, Let's pull up a Tesla chart for a second, because, again, when great stories become less great, they start to get really bad in the stock market. And just look at this chart, you know, a one-year chart here, and we can look at just kind of the intraday action over the last couple of days also. So we're getting a little bit of a rally here um today, which is, you know, okay, like, you know, we had a market that's basically unchanged, but the stock is down from what, 260, um, mm-hmm. you know, 180, 180 or so in just, you know, a month and a half or so. Look at this thing. And, you know, this is a narrative our friend Jim Chanos likes to kind of point out because, you know, he's always uh, identifies identified fame short seller, you know, Jim Jim Chanos. Um, you know, like people are like, oh, you know, like the shorts are doing this, the shorts are doing that. You know, Tesla's short interest guy, take a guess what you think it is. I mean, like, like, like probably less than, I bet you it's less than 5%. Oh, wow. You nailed it. It's 3%. Okay. 3% of that float is not doing on an intraday basis. Could it like a stock that's been down, you know, 10% in a few days of shorts, you know, go to cover. Can it get the thing green on a, on a red? Of course. You know what I mean? But the shorts are not doing anything unnatural Mm -hmm. in this game right now. This is long sellers. This might be the CEO of the company selling to raise capital because he's pledged so much of his shares. It might be forced sales by the banks who he has pledged the stock. Who knows? Okay, This is long sellers. This is based on fundamentals. And I think the stock market has gotten divorced from fundamentals as we've made this move into these mega cap tech stocks that a lot of folks thought we're just impervious, and and that's just how I'm going to tie that together, guys. As far as those two tweets and what we've no, seen.
0: it's so it's all fair. And look, I mean, we're not here to beat up on Tesla, but the reality is, if you look at it, and t- again, which just let's just say the Nasdaq's at an all-time high, effectively. And you just look at when last Tesla made its all-time high in 2021 or thereabouts. I mean, the stock has been more more than cut in half on a broader market that's done extraordinarily well. So. You have to even again, even the most steadfast Tesla believers have to say, my God, this stock has traded like shit over the last three years. And that's not hyperbole. That's just true. And that mirrors to a certain extent, you know, the the ARC ETF as well. And I'm not looking to beat up on her, but they're eerily similar in terms of their performance over
1: the last few years. Well, and the importance, I think of Tesla and talking about it right now is not doing a victory lap for those who've been bearish or short of this or whatever. Is that these great stories, right, can go bad. And so, you know, like you know, when this in 2021, if they can pull this out even further to a five-year chart, you know, this was this was a trillion dollar market cap, I think around mm-hmm. the same time that Amazon or Google, you know, became this was like one of the best stories in the entire stock market. And people thought that there was gonna be a $5 trillion market cap before Apple. You know what I mean? And it still may be for that matter. I mean, I don't, I don't know. But my only point is, it's like, when the story changed, you know, that things have the ability to go down. That could happen in Nvidia. It could happen in a Google, if perplexity and open AI, like start taking, uh, you know, search share from Google, like two quarters in a row, that stock was down 70% after their last two quarters. You know what I mean? Because of, you know, kinks in the armor and, and the fundamental story of that business, so we highlighted it just to show you that it can happen, guy. Like, a let's let's do there. a
0: little. Let's I don't know who's running the charts today, Amanda. If probably. she is, let's just take a look at this. I mean, the downtrend we have talked about. You know, we talked about this pennant formation. But go to the all-time high and draw that downtrend line, which probably has three or four different points. There yeah, you more. go. It, it literally is two. Like, so it, there you too. go. Boom. Okay. So there's your downtrend. We have talked about that. Now you draw the uptrend from the 2023 low right there. And you'd go go up a no, 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 go up a little bit, up a little yeah. bit. Yeah, boom, bang. bang. That's your uptrend line. That's your pennant formation. We broke it. We traded back up to it briefly, and now it's broken down. We have talked about that pennant formation probably for the last three and a half, four months. What we have said is this the ranges will continue to get smaller and smaller until it breaks one way. We thought it would break to the downside. This one we happen to get right, but we said let price be your guide. Now you have to say, All right. Maybe the lows we saw back in I want to say May ish of last year, I think 155 or something like that. Maybe that's now in play. There's been really no bounce whatsoever in this. There you go, bango. So yeah. anyway, you know, here we are, folks. Um, as you say, Dan, have at it. And again, it's not a Tesla beat up session, but I don't want to underestimate the importance of Tesla sort to sort of market sentiment as well, because at there was a period of time where it sort of rivaled Apple, where if you said something negative about Tesla, you would be eviscerated on the various social media
1: platforms. Yeah, I mean, listen, the stock's going to 150, most likely, okay? So that's that low, um, you know, that that we were at, I think, uh, about a year ago. And then, you know, 100 level is is a level. I mean, if valuation support is out the window, um, then there's, the, the, you know, and, and then I said this last night on Fast Money Guy, and if you saw that article in the, in the Wall Street Journal over the weekend about Elon's drug use and, and about him trying to encourage the board and some of the board encouraging him to go to rehab. This is about a year or two ago. Um, And you see the other story that the Wall Street Journal started the weekend off with about Mark Cuban when Elon set his sights on Mark Cuban, you know, on Twitter and just all the hate speech and all the anti-Semitic stuff. I mean, like to bookend the weekend with those two stories, you know, like I think what's happening right now, guy, is that market participants, investors are pricing this story of what it might look like without Elon. And without Elon, this is literally a car company that has got a lot of competition and with a bunch of moonshots, right. Without the genius, you know what I mean? Like that, you know what I mean? Like, so, so to me, you know, who knows, man? I, I'm just, you know, again, not a buyer. So we don't have to beat up on it anymore um, than we, you know, have already no. done. Let, let's pull up this Rosie thing guy. Cause that's you, you know, what I was going to go yeah. to. I was going to say, you, you know, Gopher, Rosie. Yeah. So the, the, the Goper e- email or, or the tweet takes you back to 29. Rosie wants to just take us back to when you entered the business in 1987. On Friday, the number of market losers was more than twice the number of winners in the S&P 500. That has happened in 1987, the day after Black Monday, David Rosenberg said, this is a stock picker's market and the choices are becoming increasingly limited with the NASDAQ, especially seeing a narrowing selection of buys. Uh, I'll just mention this, that here's a guy who I like a lot and he's been on our pods, Gavin Baker of treaties management. We saw him last week at iConnections at Global Alt. He just tweeted this guy from the Elite Eight to the Mag Seven to the Sensational Six and then likely soon to be the Fab Five and going lower. When you have guys like him, he is, I mean, he's out there saying he's long Tesla, he's long SpaceX, he's long Elon. You know what I mean? Like these guys, you know, I think are getting, like some folks are getting a little nervous here.
0: Well, you know, when you start, again, who says it all the time? Carter Worth. When you start to lose the general's you know that's when things start to get interesting. And clearly, Tesla was one of the generals. Clearly, we lost that. The rest of them have sort of held in there remarkably well. I mean, Microsoft, obviously Apple pushing up against its prior all-time high, albeit, you know, as Carter's pointed out, has not performed as well when you look at it on a relative basis. But you know all those stocks have held in there reasonably well. But once you start losing them one by one is when you have to be concerned. And again, Rosie's tech, I mean, we didn't tell Rosie to tweet that. I mean, Factually, that's what happened. So again, you know, people hearkening back to the late nineteen twenties, Rosie to nineteen eighty-seven. I mean, a lot of weird things going on. The, yeah. what's being, you know, what it's all being masked by, you know, an SP that's basically 49.50 and within Whisper of its all-time high that we made a week or so ago. And the Nasdaq, pretty much the same thing. Now we've talked about the Russell. That obviously has been a laggard. You know the reasons why I think and I think will continue to be a laggard. We'll see if that holds any water. Obviously, the bond market is confused as hell. It really can't figure out which way to go at this point. And I think that's yeah. manifesting itself in the volatility we're seeing in the bond market. And again, I just think it's a matter of time before all that permeates into the equity market.
1: Wait, Guy, is it whisper or whisker? Is it is it is it like a whisker away or is a whisper away? Or is it uh, both? Maybe
0: you could say both. a whisper. I mean, whisker. I mean, a whisker, whisper,
1: I don't, I don't know. To look it up. I don't, that's not it. It's not an expression that I use, but I feel like I've seen it used both ways. All right, and lastly, I just wanted to make the point. Uh, let's throw up that Nvidia chart with my tweet. One of my first tweets in a very long time. Look at you. you know, my 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 only point, guy, about this, you know. So this was the Jason Gobert thing, the narrowing breath, losing the choices, blah 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 blah. Is that you know, like they're pulled forward in one month, okay, one month. Just the hopes and dreams, all the promise. And we can all agree this technology is going to be around forever. It's foundational, right? It's been foundational. Machine learning is a predecessor of right? right? Like, so it's there. Just because we had this moment in time where there was one product Last year, or late 2022, you know, this is the chat GPT that just sparked this, this interest at a time where there was nothing that interesting going on. And it was global, it was China, and then you know, there's a whole host of things going on. I had a great conversation with Deirdre Bosis, CNBC's host of Tech Check. I just got done recording before I came onto here. It's gonna drop on the OK Computer Feed tomorrow morning. So check that out. We talked about a credit analyst, and you and I talked about it on Fast Money last night over at Barclays, who's got an underweight on the stock, but he's a credit analyst. There's not a single equity analyst on the street that rates this sell. That's why that line to me, if it does break there, Guy, and it, it's on its way back to 600 and then possibly 500 where it broke out in early January, where do you think the S&P, so let's just go to the S&P, let's pull up the S&P futures here, Guy, talk to me.
0: Well, go back to Nvidia real quick because on top of this pattern, I think volume is important as well. And yesterday the stock traded, I think, north of 65 million shares, which is like yeah. one and a half times normal volume. Right now, we've already traded, I think, 43 million shares, which is about a one day's worth of normal volume. So you're on pace to do the same thing that we did yesterday. So large volume on patterns like this cannot be ignored. I don't know where NVIDIA is going to close today. Listen, would it surprise me if it get, got the whole thing back and closed unchanged? Of course not. It also wouldn't surprise me if we see the weakness continue to the downside. But you have to take these things into consideration, which leads us to the next chart, obviously the minis, which we do this through the lens of futures, and here we are. So you have to ask yourself, okay, if Guy and Dan have pointed out the importance of NVIDIA's price action over the last couple of days on big volume, and they're right in terms of what it means, stands to reason that this uptrend line is probably vulnerable to the downside. And I would 100% agree with that, Dan, Nathan.
1: Yeah. Um, again, you know, like this is one that, that, you know, in the S and P futures, you know, we've been tracking it It seems like, you know, yesterday was such a weird day. Maybe they can pull up, you know, a multi-day chart. I mean, you and I, before we started doing market call, you know, we really thought, you know, you know some of these stocks gapping up the way they did the enthusiasm about them. seeing a lot of other red on our fact set screens, right? That you know, if, if your Nvidia were to go down on the day, it was going to take the whole market with it and look what happened. They came right back for it. Right. And Mm -hmm. so, and then there's just buyers there. It's just flatline. But today I think it's interesting, you know, after all that volume that you talk about to have the thing open a new high and close lower. So we're going to keep tracking, um, that guy. Um, all right, so the S&P futures, here, here's one. This is this is good. Um, this is from Liz Young, our friend. That's EY. So far, a little tweet here. So aside from one week in August 2022, speculative positioning in the NASDAQ 100 futures has been hovering at its most net bullish since nearly 2021. The recent rally has ignited exuberance, but the deterioration in breath has kept some skepticism alive. So everybody's talking about bad breath, Guy.
0: <laughs> well don't go down that road. no it's interesting that people are talking about it i mean they're products to help alleviate that or sometimes it's a diet thing you know you might want to uh, consider yeah. getting off like sort gut of health. like the milk gut type products gut health is important i eat a lot of pickles by the way which is good for gut health with that nice. said yeah pickles are very good so is cold slaw and things like and horseradish but i digress mm-hmm. things you learn on uh, market call Liz is just in another way. I mean, she's just showing um, the folks out there what we talked about at the top of the show. This is just another way of illustrating it. And again, it speaks to the sort of the, the exuberance, to use her word, that the market feels right now. By the way, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, the market's been exuberant for quite some time. I mean, you look at some of these stocks, it's been right to be exuberant. But history shows us that, you know, these things tend to end pretty dramatically. And when you see the signs that we're pointing out today that we've been trying to point out for a while, these things are all adding up on each other one by one. You know, there's more sort of sticks on the back of the camel. At some point, the camel's back breaks.
1: Yeah, uh, no doubt. Um, so the the NDX, you know, futures. Uh, Very similar. All- yeah, I mean, listen, it's looking the same. Carter was on with us yesterday talking about the SPX versus the NDX. And you remarked um, that you would have thought there was much greater outperformance by the NDX. But I think that also speaks to the lack of breadth here, the lack of broadening um, out, because, you know, those top five or six names make up 50% of the weight of the NDX. They make up 30% of the Um, SPX. So, again, we're going to keep tracking that relative performance. Um, one of your favorite Fed uh speakers was out. This is Mester. um, Okay, so are
0: you you familiar with? I don't know if Amanda can do this on the fly, but if you put up the tweet from CQ, yeah, love Carl. He loves to what what, like quote tweet stuff or whatever, uh, you know. Yeah, so the Fed expect to gain confidence to cut later this year. Okay, great. I mean, that's fine. I mean, that's what we've been hearing for quite some time. So we're not splitting the atom there. I mean, you get a lot of people talking about a lot of things in terms of the Fed. I think the market has clearly priced that in. But just for shits and giggles, Amanda, I don't know if you can do this, but if you could pull up a picture of Loretta Mester and then subsequently pull up a picture of Ann Mira, who is uh, Ben Stiller's mother, I think you'll find them hauntingly similar. So. You know, we can talk about the Fed while Amanda's doing that. But, you know, here we go. And that's going to bring us right to the yield chart because I do think that's important. And as I said sort of at the top of the show, the market, the the bond traders out there, the market can't figure out where yields should be. So, again, we're seeing this volatility in the bond market because there are a lot of reasons to think yields are going to go higher from here, and there are probably an equal number of reasons to think yields can go lower from here. And each day... There's been this tug of war trying to figure out which is right, Dan.
1: Yeah, that range is kind of interesting. And by the way, Ben Stiller's parents, like, and you know this because you probably grew up listening to him, you know, on the on the radio. Yeah. Day. Um, Stiller, they were, Stiller like, and Mira. Yeah, they were like the first, one of the first, like you know, comedic couples, right? That just absolutely killed it. Um, and his dad, obviously, on the Seinfeld program, which you never, I've never, never seen. No. Uh, Mr. Costanza was absolutely. I met both of them in the late 90s guy, actually, in New York City at an event my mom was hosting uh, for Syracuse University, which was mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. How about that? Um, By the way, yeah.
0: just so you know, I don't I'm, I mean, Amanda's really pissed That's off smart. now. Now she has to get pictures. And, but yeah. long before there was Ben's uh, Jerry Stiller and Anne Mira, there was George Burns and Gracie Allen. They okay. sort of started the whole thing. So it was Burns and Allen, then it was Lucy and Ricky. So Jerry and Ann came along late in the game. Anyway, please continue.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Um, Bond yeah, market. I mean, We're talking about yields. Yeah, so that range in the 10 years is kind of interesting there. You know what I mean? It just seems like a lot has happened, you know what I mean, in a short period of time but the S and P doesn't budge. Like that's the crazy yeah. thing about it. Right. And and so, you know, we kept on hearing this argument guy is like, okay, in the start of 2022, you know, stocks started selling off as the fed was on the precipice of basically raising rates for the first time in years. Right. So going back to kind of 2000, early 2019 or 2018. And so, you know, long duration assets, we heard the whole thing. Right. And so, you know, the worst stocks, the most unprofitable crap, all the SPACs, all the unprofitable tech, the recent IPOs, all the, you know, the, the Zerp babies, you know, whether it was, you know, uh, NFTs and, and crypto all got killed, right? Mm-hmm. The last thing to join the party were the mega caps, because then it was like, okay, well, we're going to have a slowdown. The economy is going to go in a recession. Higher rates are going to be bad for them. They finally sold off. But then last year, you know, as rates were higher, It was like, oh, they're actually the beneficiary at high rates. They have these huge cash balances. They don't care. They don't have to borrow. So it was like they were like good either way. So now they were good when rates went up. And now they're a flight to quality. That's what the argument is. Am I right here? They're a flight to quality, Okay, when things are kind of uncertain about the rest of the economy or other parts of the market. And then they're going to be a beneficiary again when rates go down.
0: Heads I win, win, tails you lose, 100%. I mean, that's what's going on. And in terms of when when things are the most uncertain, it's interesting, the market finds um, solace in these names that they feel that have Teflon balance sheets that are basically have moats that obviously are the leaders, not only in their space, but probably in in the markets in general. And people feel comfort there. And that's where you've seen this flight to perceived quality. Of course, the problem with that is In the flight to perceived quality, you're jacking up valuations almost on a daily basis to levels that I don't think make a lot of sense. So there you go. The last Apple quarter, again, by Apple standards, not particularly great. Meanwhile, the stock is probably exactly where it was when it reported.
1: Yeah, uh, no doubt. And what do you make of this um, on the yield front um, when let's pull up the CME Fed funds tracker here? Because, you know, not too long ago, Guy, you know, that March meeting uh, was looking like an 80% probability of a cut. Now it's a very low likelihood. Now May is showing a high probability. But again, going back to that tweet that you had about Mester's confidence, right? That's what the key word that Fed Chair Powell said that they will basically start to cut interest rates before they hit their 2% mm-hmm. target when they have the confidence that basically inflation's under control. So Mester's point is like pretty soon they're going to have it. A lot of strategists out there, Guy, saying, well, I was never in the camp that they were going to cut in March. Have you heard a lot of that? Okay. Now, well, here's that's, the thing. that's
0: complete bullshit because, yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway. Well,
1: You've heard that a bunch. Now, you know, our friend EY from SoFi, not an economist, a strategist, she shows up, two times a week with us on Mondays on the, on the tape, she shows up on Wednesdays on the uh, market call and we can vouch for the fact that she was never in the March cutting camp. Okay. So that was not her thing. What do you make though of the folks who are saying, well, now I don't care if it's may or June, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like it's just, what, what does that mean to you in a way? It's like if now the strategists And the economist, and and I was not an economist, you know, maybe I'm a bit of a strategist. We we thought there was going to be a recession last year. There wasn't, okay? We're not economists, though. Um, They all got the recession call wrong. Right, um, and I'm not beating up on people who get things wrong, but they're supposed to be very quantitative. You and I are a bit more qualitative as far as our strategist kind of hats and everything like that, our punditry hats. And that. What does it mean to you now that you're starting to hear what well, really doesn't matter when they do because they're gonna do it? Like, uh, that-
0: of course, yeah, no, because they're backtracking, right? They're moving the goalposts as people typically do. Do I think it matters one way or another? No, I do think it does matter, definitely. But then, you know, my pushback would be if the economy is great as all these people go out on TV and tell you that it is. Austin Goolsbee and all these people telling you what a wonderful economy they have. Normalized rates are not zero. I mean, we're probably, sh- you know, quite frankly, the level we're at are probably normalized rates. And I don't really see any pressing need to, st- to start cutting interest rates. It really doesn't make any sense to me when things seem to be chugging along just fine at current levels. So again, one has to ask themselves, if things are as good as all these people portray them to be, what is the pressing need at all to start cutting interest rates this year, unless something happens? So that's been my thought all along.
1: Well, you had a really interesting comment on our pod with Liz yesterday, talking about um, you know Fed Chair Powell's you know answer to Scott Pelley on 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 Sunday night on on CBS sixty Minutes, and he asked him, "It's an election year, and some people think that when you finally cut rates, it's going to be for political reasons." And he talked about integrity, and he talked about how. We never make decisions based on political reasons. Of course, they can get browbeat, as you recall. You know, you've mentioned this on many occasions where Trump was doing that to Fed Chair Powell, you know what I mean, um, back in like 18 and 19. And he wanted him to stop, um, you know, uh, you know, raising interest rates. Right. Normalizing. You were all for that. And you just highlighted the fact that, you know, it gives them a lot of flexibility to get real rates higher, right? And, and, and really figure out what normalized yields look like after a 20 year experiment, which of quantitative easing and ZERP and stuff like that. And we've seen all these unintended consequences. You've talked about that um, at length. So now when I think about it though, so, you know, you just mentioned Austin Gooseby He is, is he, he's an advisor to the Biden administration, correct? He's, uh, I think
0: he's a, he's a fed governor. Like I don't know which one. Anyway,
1: he is. I think, well, I don't think here,
0: um, I, I don't know, whatever he is, he's probably yeah, my, a part of the, you know, I'm sure he's an advisor, but he's also some, he's a, I don't know what state or what city he, but whatever, it doesn't yeah, yeah. matter. All right. well, he's well, all well, over the place.
1: Well, guy, my, my only point, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually looking it up right now. My, my only point about that going back to, you know, the confidence and, and the integrity and, and the point about, um, you know, not like, listen, this economy, whether you like it or not, unless you don't believe the data. Okay, unless you don't believe the data, look at the unemployment data, look at the wage data, look at the GDP data. Like to so your point, like I don't know why they're considering cutting rates. So right, like 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 so, and and then I just saw there was a measure of like credit, like it looked like credits like kind of loosening up a little bit. That's the lifeblood of the economy, you know. Like this, era. I don't know, man. I mean, like maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe things are fine. I, I what, what do I know? I'm just saying, you know, all right. Yeah, so maybe things are fine. They, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. listen, maybe things are fine. Meanwhile, Bank.
0: yeah. of Chicago. Good for right. him. Um, yeah. I like Chicago. Yeah, we have seen, you know, over every single day now, by the way, anecdotally you see another round of layoffs from a different company in a different sector. I mean, it's just every single day you're hearing about it and it's just a matter of time before that manifests itself into the actual unemployment rate. And now with credit card, the average rate on a credit card, which is now in US credit card debt is north of a trillion dollars, is 21.47%. That's a staggering number if you think about it. So when in an in a economy that's built on credit, everything is predicated on it. That, to me, is problematic. Now, people say, well, as long as the unemployment or people have jobs, that's fine. Chug along, fine. When things start to turn, though, it's going to get a little dicey. Anyway, that's my sort of two cents. Yeah, and so then,
1: like going back to inflation, they seem fairly confident that it's coming down towards their level. Let's 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 talk a little crude oil here, dude. Like 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 like, let's like uh you know I just do do, it. I mean, we have a crude chart. So
0: look, I mean, this is again, crude can't get out of its own way. All the news stories, historically, the stories we've seen over the last few months should have been unbelievably bullish for the commodity. They have not been for whatever reason. Crude is, again, sort of stuck in the mud. And if you go longer term, you'll see. I mean, outside that obviously huge spike to the upside, it's basically flatlined for a long period of time. With that said, um, the equities, some of these equities have done pretty well. And I'm sure we have some charts that'll illustrate that. I still think, Dan, if you're looking to trade crude oil, you're trading it against this uptrend line. I think you're okay. I still think there's a story here but that's just me.
1: Yeah. And I guess the point I would just make here is like you and I, you know, I guess made this case. If you're inclined to take a shot on crude, that, uptrend right from the december lows is really important and why do we kind of keep thinking about it with the idea of using a stop down there if you're inclined to play for you know um a move back towards that moving average back towards that recent high that got up there towards 80 you know some of the things that are going on in the middle east don't feel particularly great maybe crude down here guy down from what 79 and a half or so is pricing in a ceasefire um in gaza i'm not sure that a ceasefire in Gaza guarantees that Iranian proxies are going to let up on U.S. forces, U.S. interests, um, what's going on in the Red Sea and the like. I mean, I hope it does. You know you know what I'm saying? But like, so those would be the reasons for crude to kind of spike back up. The other one would be China, right? Like like if, if, if some of these measures that the, the country is trying well, to take it. kind of stem. So, you know, to me, I think if you want to take a crack here, You know, like on the long side, what's your stop? Maybe 72 and a half or something like that. You don't really want it to break below that uptrend because if it breaks below that uptrend, you're going back to 70, which is that recent low in January. And then the December low is somewhere like 68 bucks. Mm -hmm.
0: Agreed. hundred percent. And that so I think you trade crude all that way vis-a-vis futures. We've talked about it, especially if you believe in this next chart and throw up an FXI because as many things that you know i get wrong this is one we've gotten right and we thought the fx excuse me the fxi could trade down to about 21 and a half it actually broached it but you know we basically held the levels we saw in october of 2022 and if you go back even longer term you'll see back in 08ish we traded right down to that level as well and we said risk reward fxi sets up really well today we see it up 5% i think today trading 23 um, I still think you can trade FXI from the long side, which leads me to believe maybe it puts in a bottom for the crude. And real quick, Alibaba is another name that we talked about. I still think you're in for one of those mind-ripping Alibaba rallies that we've seen at least eight to ten times over the last few years. You know, we've seen the stock rally anywhere from thirty to fifty percent over the course of a couple of weeks, and it's still what's been a very significant downtrend. So I believe in FXI for the reasons it stated, you can throw up that chart, excuse me, that sort of headline sheet to discuss China stocks with regulator as rescue bets build. I mean, you can see the handwriting is on the wall where the risk reward sets up the best it has for quite some time.
1: Yeah, and I agree. I and mean, you and I have been talking about this in the same way. I mean, again, if you're going to get long the FXI, you could either do it through options to find your risk down towards that kind of 20 and a half ish level, right? That was that prior uh, low, or so. You could use a stop down there, but you really want to move your feet. I mean, like you know, like the FXI, it doesn't have the you know idiosyncratic nature of one of the the members of that ETF, but it acts like death. I mean, there's no there, there's no other way to say it. You know what I mean? If you're trying to be contrarian here, and if the, the S&P does start to sell off. You know, the China's probably going to, yeah, you might see money flows a little bit in there. But again, you need something structural, in my opinion, to happen there. But I think the risk reward sets up pretty good, which brings me to gold, Guy. I, I want to talk about this in the context of the dollar. So we've seen as rates have rallied, right? We've seen the dollar rally. Maybe they can throw up the Dixie chart here. Um, and we've seen kind of gold hang in there a little bit, right? Um, And so... This one to me, technically like making a little bit of a base, you thought, and I remember at the time you know that reversal that we had in early December, the breakout huge volume and then intraday reversal right like that was not something you thought you you wanted to buy right away you wanted to kind of see how it was going to act and it's it's actually consolidated mm-hmm. fairly decently over the last couple of months. Like if you want to take a shot on the long side and you want to get a move back towards that, you know, 2100 on its way to 2200 and Carter had a great um, series with us, I think, on the measured move. You know, if this thing starts to go, which you think it might do at some point, it could keep going. How do you want to stop this thing? Like, is there is is, is it is it tight? Is it in and around this kind of, you know, 2000 level for a first stop? And I get it. It's up 10 today. Yeah. Maybe 35 is too tight. I don't know.
0: No, I think you got to give yourself a little room, but you definitely, I don't think the moving average is where it's probably too far. But, you know, those lows that we saw, I don't know, like right around 2000, obviously, as fate would have it, that's probably your level. But this is one I think that if it starts to move in your direction to the upside, you add to it on strength because I do think there's going to be sort of this come to Jesus moment where buyers come out of the woodworks in terms of the hedge funds. And some of these larger uh, institutions that have not been in gold might be bullish, but they're not in it yet. So I'm still a believer of gold. And quite frankly, you know, it is. It's held in there rather well. That line job to the upside and obviously on that Sunday night, uh, that could have been the death blow for gold. And for a couple of days, it appeared that was going to be the case. But it's gotten back on its horse and it's hanging in here uh, in the face of, again, dollar going higher, dollar going lower, rates going higher, going lower. Gold's been somewhat impervious. And, you know, I thought in 2023, gold buying from central banks would surpass 2022. It did not, but it was effectively within, you know, a couple of tons, literally, of, of being on par with what we saw in 2022, which was a record year. So central banks continue to add to their stockpiling. So I, I'm a believer in gold here. Your stop again is those recent lows, you're adding to a long position on strength.
1: All right. Let's do a couple stocks really quickly that are reporting tonight after the close, and we'll get out of here. Um, Amgen is an interesting one, plus or minus implied move about 5% or so. Guy, uh, in June, the stock was 220. This morning, the stock was 320. Um, uh, Epic breakout. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to see that sort of move on a one-year basis and see that 200-day moving average flatline like that, Mm -hmm. to me, it just kind of tells you a little bit how overbought it is, especially into an earnings print. You know, consensus for earnings in 2024, the current fiscal year or current calendar year, 7% on, you know, 16% sales growth, trading 16 times. I'm not sure that's like the most important way to kind of um, value um, Amgen, especially, when you consider some of the things that are kind of in their pipeline and what people have gotten excited about recently. But how do you play a stock like this, especially on a day where you see Eli Lilly, you know, gapped up, okay, on extraordinary results. And let's pull up Eli Lilly for a second here, because this is at the obviously the forefront of this GLP um, one. And these numbers were huge, but it's a really good example. Okay. And if they want to show this stock, after its earnings report and its guidance and everything was trading 740 guy this morning on the opening. That was the high print. And right now here we are just below $700. Um, You know, this is the stuff that you really want to be cognizant of. And that's why we spent so much time with NVIDIA because as excited as people are about this mega trend, you know, it's kind of in the stock here a little bit.
0: Well, I mean, I was going to, I was a hundred percent going to mention Eli Lilly. And we've, if you watch fast money over the years, you know, we have been in the Eli Lilly camp and we've also pointed out, a number of times if you put up a longer term chart you know you've seen 15 20% moves to the downside and this price action today again you have to you have to respect the price action 742 makes an all time high reverses on what's been pretty decent volume i mean that's not particularly good price action i mean that's obviously a pretty understated statement but you get what i'm saying i mean these things don't happen all the time so Are we setting up for another one of these downtrends in a stock that's still in a very significant uptrend? Yeah, I think you could see a downdraft here without question, which leads us to Amgen. Amgen, if you watch Fast Money over the years, a name I talked about forever, loved the different products, always thought it was uh, on a valuation basis, very reasonable. It still is, quite frankly. But now when you see price action like that in Eli Lilly, you have to be concerned. You could see similar here, I think, in Amgen.
1: Yeah, Um, again, I wouldn't touch it with your money um, at this point, especially because the Amgen story is not nearly as good as the Lilly story. I want to pull up um, NVO, uh, Novo Nordisk. Okay, so this is the Lilly competitor in the GLP-1 space. They reported the other day they made an acquisition or the parent company made an acquisition. This is an interesting chart, guy. On a day that Lilly reversed so hard, the stock is unched. You know what I mean? And so, you know, I look at this thing and I'm looking at it, 20% expected earnings and revenue growth for the next couple of years, 84% gross margins. We know that they're massively supply constrained. That's why they made that acquisition um, yesterday. I mean, listen, these stocks, and you've been saying it about Lilly, you buy them after those pullbacks, because mm-hmm. this is a sort of mega trend. It's going to be around for a long time now. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of competition and yeah, there's expanded use cases and some there's going to be an Amgen or there's going to be somebody else who gets the oral, right. Or they're going to get the sleep apnea version, right. Or they're going to get the one that has less, you know, um, you, you know, muscle matter law, you know, w- whatever it is, but like, there might be a big enough, Pie for the time being that these stocks just continue to work because the valuations are not actually that crazy relative to the expected growth and relative to the expected TAM of these uh, of these drugs.
0: Well, that's what people are talking about. But again, with all that said, these stocks can definitely get a, you know they can yeah. get ahead of themselves in terms of price action. And Novo's holding in there today. Absolutely, you're right. And Maybe to a certain extent, that money coming out of Eli Lilly is finding its way into NBO. People think there's a more reasonable valuation there. You know, that could be uh, an observation. That could be a reason why without question. But I still want to point out that as much as these stories are fantastic stories, I mean, Eli Lilly, you can do the work on your own. You can see over the last few years, you've seen some pretty significant downdrafts in the name. And I think that's where we're sort of on the cusp of now.
1: All right, so here's the last one, and this is interesting. You know, a day after McDonald's and the way that stock sold off and and had the disappointing results. So this is Chipotle. You see a six percent implied move um, in either direction. Pretty astonishing move. Um, found a little support at the 200-day moving average in the fall. I go back to you know McDonald's traded much worse off the highs uh, you know than Chipotle did you know last year. Ch- Year. Look at that move, new all time highs. You know, I look at this guy and I say to myself, 20% expected earnings growth this coming year, 2024, on 14% sales growth, trading 46 times. Does that make any sense to you? Like, I'm, I'm being serious. Like, again, you know what I mean? And I'll tell you this the other thing, you know, as somebody who's, you know, on a GLP-1, it's the Novo, is the Wogovia over the last year. You know, I'm taking a more than 30 pounds off. I just eat a lot less Chipotle. You know, I never really ate a lot of McDonald's. Um, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, that's going to be something. And remember, there was about six months ago, we heard Walmart, we heard Pepsi, we heard these guys talking about this. I, I think you're likely to see first in these quick serve restaurants before you're going to see it maybe at a Walmart in the grocery level. I'm just curious. and, And I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves with like what's going on here. But, you know, if, if there's going to be tens of millions of Americans and tens of millions, you know, more globally on these things, you know, Chipotle, McDonald's, these guys are, they're, they're going to take a hit. You're no, and gonna if
0: people. People, I think the analysts have brought that up without question. And that is a story. It's probably not tomorrow's story, but it's definitely a story coming to a theater near you. And at a certain point that's going to obviously mean the valuations can't continue to be where they are. And Chipotle, by the way, has been expensive forever. And that's the name we've been bullish on for quite some time with all that said, I think if you've been long this stock, you have to do something here into earnings because you know, if they come in with comps that are disappointing or margins that aren't up to snuff, you know, you can see the stock go down $75. I mean, it's not we've seen it before. And obviously, percentage-wise, it's not a huge move, but you understand what I'm saying. The flip side of that coin is it's probably just a matter of time before this stock splits like 15 to 1 or something like that, and you get a whole new class of investors in. So CMG is a story that I've loved for a while. It's probably the best fast food or whatever restaurant you want to call it out there. Um, but it's also pretty expensive at these levels.
1: What's your order again? What's your, uh, what's your, I
0: have my t-shirt. They sent me a t-shirt. It's a burrito, white rice, no beans, extra chicken, medium salsa, cheese, and um, sour cream.
1: Oh, nice. You're heavy on the dairy. How's that do with your constitution? Yeah, fine. It's all good. Interesting.
0: That's not um, every day. I mean, I enjoy a good Chipotle every once in a while.
1: Yeah. I haven't had one in a while, but I like their burrito bowls. And then, you know what I do? I take a, a side of chips, like the the corn chips, and I just kind of dig it out there, like like make a little dip out of it. You mm. know what I mean?
0: Well, we got a dip, as the kids say. Amanda didn't want to put up the picture of uh, Ann <laughs> Mirror and Loretta Mester. Maybe I can figure out how to do that on Twitter, because I'm telling you they're separated at birth. But that's it. Uh, I don't want to thank Carter Worth because he's not here. I think Elizabeth Young will be with us tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. That of course EY from SoFi. I want to thank CME Group and I want to thank the audience. I gotta bolt because I got to get to New York City for CNBC's fast money. And follow us on all our different platforms, especially the gram, because we have a presence there, Dan Nathan. Are you are you
1: blowing up on the gram? You're guy.adami on the Instagram. I'm Dan's Nathan, uh D-A-N-S Nathan, and we have the Risk Versal. Media account. Maybe you guys can like kind of do a little um, sleuthing and find out what Amanda's uh, Instagram account. I don't know. I don't know if she wants to blow up the way Guy Dami's mm. blowing up there, but a lot of stuff every morning, previewing what we're doing on the market call. So be sure um, to ch- check that out. Guy, I'll see you at the NASDAQ five o'clock for CNBC's Fast Money. That's going to be fun. Later, folks. Thanks, everyone.